You all know what that is, yeah? It says that, doesn't it? It does. Okay, so this, we, who knew we even had a national harbor? We do have a national harbor. That's the National Harbor of the United States, and it's in some weird place in Maryland, near near D.C. Yeah, and so it's a some sort of a park in front of the. Okay, so naturally, if you're a federal site, you have to have some sort of statue. This is it. It's called the Awakening, and as you can see, that is a 70-foot depiction of Nimrod awakening and coming out of the earth, or uh, there's a whole bunch of different. Okay. So you might think that's weird being on federal land. See the next one. 70 foot man. That's how big his hand is compared to a normal woman. Just, just so you know, we've talked before years past about, uh, Ishbi Banab and several other guys and Ishbi would just barely fit. If he was standing, uh, in front of bill, his head would just barely scrape the ceiling. He's a big guy, right? And we know that this is real because we have skeletons. There's an entire museum in Turkey of people that tall. So that's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it seems to be true. There were giants in the land, just like the Bible says. And when you start reading some of the, uh, <laughs> the extra biblical books and stuff, then you start, uh, it starts getting a little freakier. I mean, not like that's not freaky, right? A guy, can you imagine a guy that tall? Imagine a guy four times that tall. That's how big Nimrod is in this statue. And there are statues of Nimrod coming out of the ground in a bunch of places on earth. The first one I was able to find was cast in bronze in 1620. And it's in the Vatican or some, somewhere over there. And he's coming out of the ground. So this is not just some freaky, you know, mushroom trip. This is an actual deal. So uh, um, we will start. I sure wish Brian was here, the guy who wrote The Reason. He just loves all this stuff. And he would be, he would be that tall because he just totally gets into it. Um, he probably is that tall now. Yeah, he probably is. Um, so this idea of Nimrod, and we're going to talk a little bit, just a little bit off the beam here for, for a while today. Nimrod, Osiris, Orion, Gilgamesh. Uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different names, and we'll look at some of those. Okay, but before we get too far, I'm going to give you the homework first this time. And, oh, yeah, no, that's it. There's the homework slide. And I'm going to start using, since so many of you are using the CIFR, and I just... It's been on my heart for a long time. Start using the correct names in scripture instead of, you know, uh, what was the, the worship song there? The name of Jesus has power and all that stuff. Well, it actually doesn't because that's not his name. But so I think we should start using some of the names. And uh, so the first bit of homework is Malakam Rashad. Now, you certainly know what that is, yes? Because you know Melek is king. So... I-U-M I is plural, so it's kings. The only thing you may have trouble with is it first or second. So it's, it's I'll give you a hint, it's first kings. So, so, so I would like you to read, because it's just doubtful I'm ever going to get to this. Uh, first Kings 11, 29 through 35. And it explains in a very concise manner how it is we came to have 10 tribes and two tribes. And then around there, we'll give you the whole story of why that is, if, if you're interested. Uh, Devarim, Devarim is Deuteronomy. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys mostly know that. Uh, so read from like 28.15 to 30 verse 8. And it, if you think about what it says, it's actually good solid information about the path to salvation. Okay, so this week, two very important things happened on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Anybody? Wednesday, 2 o'clock. Joe Biden was inaugurated as president of the United States. Okay, everybody knows that. And it was sort of an unusual deal because there were 25,000 National Guard there. 
acres and acres and acres of razor wire and bob wire and there were no people there to speak up. There were a few um, celebrities and democratic dignitaries and Clinton was asleep and the Bernie meme is classic. He did, he fell asleep through the, Bernie was there with his mittens and his, you know, so he's memed everywhere. There's a billion Bernie memes now. In fact, my daughter did a couple for one of her clients today. Um, but it was a weird deal because never in the history of this country have we had an inauguration or a crowning or anything like that uh, under those conditions. That's what happens in Russia and China and North Korea and, and Venezuela and Cuba and all that. Uh, but at the exact same hour, two o'clock, less than a mile away at the Freemasons, uh, not the Freemasons Lodge, the actual headquarters of the whole Freemason deal is in Washington, D.C., and it's less than a mile from the Capitol. And every four years, they have a ceremony where all the 33 degree Masons from all over the world meet. And at two o'clock during the inauguration, they pray through the whole thing that uh, Osiris will raise from the dead because they believe, and that's actually, you know, it's, it, we would call him Nimrod because they believe Nimrod, Lucifer, there is no Lucifer, um, that whole deal are the light people. Those are, you know, Lucifer means light bearer, that those are the people. So they are praying for those people and for um, Osiris to rise up out of the ground because that's what he's known for. He's, uh, uh, well, anyway, we'll get to that. So uh, within an hour of all that, the destruction of America began with Obama, or Obama, it doesn't matter, they're both the same. Uh, Biden uh, signing, he's, by now he's probably signed 48 or 50 executive orders oh, yeah. because none of it he could get through Congress, even a Democratic Congress. And why bother? Because their job is going to be to impeach a president who's no longer president to make sure he can never run again. Because Biden knows he got 90 million votes against Biden's 60 million and they have to do something. So he's, uh, you know, you've probably read some of the things. I mean, he's it's utter destruction of America. And that's, that's what's happening. So Trump is being erased by big media and big tech. He can't, he can't talk to anybody. He can't do anything. Books written by conservative authors are being pulled. Uh, conservative authors who've got deals to publish books, the deals have been canceled. Fortunately, there are small publishers that are taking them on. Um, everything about conservative uh, we we need to be uh, deprogrammed and put in a camp because there's something wrong with us. These guys, on the other hand, are praying that Osiris raises from the dead a 70-foot giant so that um, he's God and everything will be great. And, and we're the ones for nuts. This is just like Russia, China, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela. Um, all history is being rewritten. And, you know, when I was young, there was there was a saying that in Russia, even the past is uncertain. Well, in the new America, even the past is uncertain because it will continue to change. In Russia, when Chernobyl went up, it took them one generation to erase all history of that because they moved everybody out. They said it didn't exist. The, 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 the city is gone from the maps, never happened, not there. And all they had to wait for was the last person who was alive, who knew it was true to die because the next generation exactly never happened. Um, so those two things were happening two o'clock on a Wednesday, last last Wednesday. Um, Osiris is is well, it's Nimrod. He's you know, sort of a Greek god of he's not the god of resurrection, but that's his claim to fame. Uh, it goes by different names: Krishna in India, Quetzalcoatl, the Aztec, Kukulkan, Kukulkan the Mayan, Kush in Mesopotamia, Nimrod in Babylon. And there's a whole bunch of the, of, and the interesting thing is all of these people came on the scene up within a few years of 3100 BC. They were all at the same time, all over the world. Um, but no, are they thinking of these things that it's more spirit based or tangible? Well, I, I'm thinking tangible. <laughs> Because the deal with, uh, well, let, let's, what's the national motto? E pluribus unum. You know what that means? Yes. From many. What? What is it? From, yeah, out of many, one. And we think 
immigrants. Yes, we're bringing all these immigrants to this country and we're one country. Well, that's not it at all. It's out of many. It's, it's out of all of these names for the queen of heaven, for Nimrod. It's out of many one because it's only one guy. It's, we would call him the Antichrist. They call him uh, the Messiah. So the story is Osiris or Nimrod. Uh, well, let me. Nimrod is the Babylonian. Osiris is the Greek. Quetzalcoatl is the you know. So they all have the same story, but they're different versions in the context of who they are. So Osiris was killed by his brother Set, cut into fourteen pieces. His wife gathered up thirteen of the pieces to put him in the casket so he could be buried, couldn't find his phallus. So she created a huge one and through witchcraft and magic impregnated herself with it and then put it in the box with him so that he could be buried and rise again like the picture shows. It's from Nimrod who uh, was, you know who Nimrod was. And do you remember how Nimrod died? Who? No, it was Esau. Esau beheaded him. Okay, which is kind of weird. But anyway, you know, Nimrod has forever been a picture of the beast, right? Of, of the Antichrist that's coming. And he actually fits all of the, uh, the criteria. You know, we talked before about uh, Erdogan in Turkey and how he fits a lot of them too. Nimrod fits them as well. Uh, Erdogan would have to sustain a fatal wound to his head and come back in order for him to actually be the guy. Nimrod has sustained a fatal wound to the head. Esau cut his head off. So for him to come back, that would pretty much fulfill everything. And if he rises out of the ground like the picture shows, no, I don't think a spirit. I think a real guy. The Antichrist. He's the beast. He's got to be, you know. Okay, so anyway, these, these, these phalluses, these obelisks, appear all over the world. And you see them, you know, everywhere. You know where the biggest one is? Washington, D.C. And you know what it is? It's the Washington Monument. 600 or 6,666 inches tall, 666 inches on each side. And you know, it's why would I kid you? These people are serious. So, where is it? It's at it, the White House is here. There's a reflecting pool, a very, very long reflecting pool, and then the uh, Washington Monument's at the other end. So, they're facing each other. And who's on the top? of the White House dome. You know, there's a figure up there, right? There's a 16 foot tall statue of Semiramis, the queen of heaven, the mother of Nimrod. And she's, uh, she's also known as Aphrodite, Black Madonna, Maya, Athena, Astarte, Anuit, Lightgiver, Kut, Earth Goddess, Usart, under, Underworld Goddess, Thinet, Sati and half a dozen other names. So, <laughs> so when when you're talking about E pluribus unum, which is a Freemason, you know the whole all seeing eye. That's a Freemason side, um, and they say out of many one. I'm suggesting they had nothing to do with immigrants. They're talking about all these different names for uh, Nimrod and for Semiramis, his his mother slash wife slash something. Yeah, well, okay. So all that's fine. You know, if you've done any, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., or even studied it a little bit, you have to be a little wigged out about the fact they tell you, those people who know everything, they tell you that the founding fathers were Christians. And maybe they were. I don't know. I wasn't there. But all I can tell you is in Washington, D.C., and you guys know this, the whole town is laid out in a pentagram. It's laid out to a star chart with different stars appearing in different places. Um, Semiramis is on top of the White House dome. The phallus is over there. They're going to copulate in this 
dome that's underneath Semiramis. Um, the, the whole thing, you go into the, and you look up at any building, any building in Washington, D.C., and if you had Christians there, when you expect to see frescoes with Abraham and Noah and Moshe and no, there's not a single person in the Bible on any of those. They're all, uh, they're all pagan. All of them, every one of them, every, yeah, the airport. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. DI that that's a whole nother story. So, you know, all this is, pretty common knowledge. And the more you get into it, the more freaked out you're going to get. And I can't tell you if Washington and Jefferson and Adams and all those guys, I've read their writings and they seem to be Christians and they quote scripture a lot. But by the time Washington DC was built, these guys were dead and gone. So the architect of Washington, oh, and by the way, one of the, the Simiramis, the lady on the top of the Washington Dome, her name in English is, is Columbia. So it's the District of Columbia. So the Queen of Heaven and uh, Osiris, you know, it, that's what the city is built on. Okay, I'm reasonably familiar with all that stuff. And I hope that the original founding fathers, although they were Freemasons, but that doesn't preclude you from being a Christian. To be a Freemason, you have to believe in a God. It can be Muhammad. It can be Buddha. It can be anybody. It doesn't have to be Yeshua. I believe most of the, I, I, I want to believe most of the founding fathers believed in Yeshua as God. And, but by the time they were dead and gone and Washington, D.C. was built, it had all been taken over by Freemasons. And the symbolism is, is atrocious and horrible and, and, in every possible way. So I'm walking through uh, the kitchen to the dining room or something yesterday. And there's a smiling picture of Simmer, I mean, uh, Kamala Harris standing there at, she's standing at the water's edge of the reflecting pool, giving a presser. And over her shoulder is this giant phallus. It's the, it's the exact picture of paganism. And I was just, it was like a gut punch because it's one thing to know all that. And it's another thing to actually see it come to life. And I believe she is probably the queen of heaven and she will be running the country. And, you know, maybe Osiris is going to raise because they pray for him to raise all the time. So this is a quote from a book called The Secret Histories of America's Capital, The District of the Goddess Columbia. And here's Here's what they had to say. The esoteric and occult goddess worship has culminated in the design and purpose of Washington, D.C. Embodied as the goddess Columbia, who is the new face of an old deity. The design in D.C. was meant to be fulfilled in recent times, and it was exactly it was not exactly aligned until now. They have streets, you know, the, the main drag, Philadelphia or uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, and all these different streets were laid out in such a way that certain stars would fall, you know, on, on them and, and in certain places. And when this star sunk below the horizon, then a different star. Okay, all of that stuff was designed in, but it wasn't designed in to be that way when it was built. It was designed to be that way 150 some odd years later. So now you look at all, the way it's laid out, the way the buildings and the monuments and everything is laid out. And, and, you know, according to this book, they're telling you that it was laid out for now, for this time, because now all the stars are falling exactly. They're setting exactly down the middle of the road and they're shining just past this monument and all that stuff. It was apparently designed for right now. Okay, so we could do that all day long. But the thing that freaked me out was this Kamala Harris. She could have, she's giving her first press conference. She could have done it anywhere. Why didn't she do it at the Blair house? That's where the vice president lives, right? She could have done it anywhere. And she chose purposely to have the phallus of the Washington monument over her shoulder. And she looks for all intents and purposes, just like the, 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 the cast statue of Simiramis on the top of the building. Okay, so you get the idea. It's not going well so far. 
the Torah portion for last week, and I don't know if any of you have been following along in the Torah portions, the last week of the Trump presidency, the Torah portion was about, it was, uh, it was about the Passover, right? It was about freedom. It was about the Exodus. It was about uh, his crucifixion and resurrection. It was all of those things, right? That just was an accidental, you know, coincidence, I'm sure, that that picture was the picture of Trump. And, you know, I, I mean, I get a lot of grief for this because I think all politicians are crooked, including him. But he provided a lot of freedom He for us. He, he protected Christians. He, you know, did all the things that we would ask him to do. And he got untold grief for it. So the first week of the Biden administration, the Torah portion is, of course, and you should know this, if last week was um, freedom from slavery, if it was all about the Passover and the death angel and, you know, the, all of that stuff, this week, the people were between the uh, between the straits, right? They were they had walked to the Red Sea. The mountains were on both sides. The Red Sea was in front of them, and the Egyptian army was following them. The Egyptian army was coming to kill them, or at least take them back into slavery. And uh, God moved His pillar of of light and pillar of smoke from the front of the group to the back of the group to confuse the Egyptian army to give them the time for Moses to use his rod and God to part the Red Sea. And all of the people walked across on dry land, right? Now, if he had parted a sea that was full of water, you would think they'd be walking across on muddy land, but they made a point to say it's dry land. So this is a miracle from, from the get-go. And this is the way God designed it. He told Moshe to go that way, not to go the quick and easy way, right? We're going the wrong way and put him in a spot where it looked as though they were they they had they were going to meet their end. This was a bad thing, a bad call. But of course, God came through. And I'm thinking as we're looking at at what's going on in Washington, especially with all the uh, dark spiritual stuff and the apparent destruction of the country on purpose, it looks bad. It looks like we're between a rock and a hard spot. We've got mountains on both sides and the Red Sea in front of us and the enemy's coming behind us and they're coming after us. We already know that. We need to be deprogrammed. We need to be institutionalized. We need to be erased. We, need, we don't even count. We, they would be better off without us, right? They want to get rid of us. So the Egyptian army is behind us and it's a little, it's a little wiggy. It's, I'm sure no coincidence that the Torah portion is exactly that. It's looking bad. It's looking really bad. And when they're finally say it's done, it's over, they're going to kill us. The sea parts and they walk through. And then what happens? The sea closes and wipes out the Egyptian army. And then what? They walk to Mirabah, bitter waters. They can't drink the waters in Mirabah. So they start complaining again. So, Moshe talks to the Lord. The Lord says, oh, I know what. Take a cross, a tree, take a tree, throw it in the water and make it pure. So the cross makes the water pure. Then they stop at the next stop, the famous one with uh, 12 palm, palm trees and 70 uh, lakes or vice versa. I can't remember what it is. And of course, it's the same story. Well, we don't have any food. What are you going to eat? You brought us out here to kill us. And that's the way it goes for 40 years, right? The people see the miracle. They take a step. They complain. Well, I'm suggesting that's the way it's going to be for a while. Because we need to get to the point like those people did. And remember, Rav Shaul, Paul said the same thing. Look to the Exodus generation. If we're living at the end time, we need to look to the Exodus generation. And what was their claim to fame? The Lord told Moshe that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as El Shaddai. They did not know me as Yehuda. They did not know me as the, 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 the eternal creator God. They knew me as the provider God. These people are going to have to learn. They're going to have to come to me in the right way. And he knew it would take them 40 years of complaining and seeing miracles and complaining and seeing miracles and complaining and seeing miracles. So as I see that in the Torah portion, this could totally be just an actual coincidence. I don't think so. I see that's what's happening. We saw our freedom. 
we immediately got into trouble and panicked, thought it was bad. And then for 40 years, it was back and forth, back and forth. We think it's bad. God watches over us. We think it's bad. God watches over us. So we think it's bad. It is bad. There's no denying it's bad. Biden is intent on destroying the company, our company, the country. When Harris becomes president in a few weeks or months, whenever it is, um, Simiramis will be in charge. It will be, we can't even fathom how bad it's going to be. But the Torah portions tell us that God's going to take care of us. It's not up to us to fight that battle. That's his battle. We just need to come to the point where we can see who he really is. And when we can see who he really is, um, things will change. Okay. So last week, now let's try getting into the message. Last week, I asked you a question. Um, why an olive tree? Right? Because all through scripture, uh, the people of God are described as an olive tree. And I never answered the question. So uh, in the book of Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah, chapter 11, verses 15 and 16, it says, Yahuwah called thy name a green olive tree, fair and of goodly fruit. The noise of a great tumult, he has kindled fire upon it, and the branches of it are broken. For the Yahuwah Teshovah, which is Lord of hosts, that planted thee hath pronounced evil against thee for the evil of the house of Yeshrael and the house of Yehuda, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger and offering incense to Baal. Israel is seen as an olive tree because that's what Yahuwah calls him calls them an olive tree. He didn't call them a peach tree. He didn't call them a fig tree. They're not strawberry plants. He called them an olive tree. So when we see an olive tree, we have to consider, uh, is it really an olive tree or is it the people of God or is it both? Uh, we've looked previously at how the house of Israel, the Northern 10 tribes, were taken captive in 520 or sorry 722 BC to Assyria and they never returned they were assimilated in to the people of the world the house of Yehuda the southern kingdom was taken captive in 586 to Babylon and returned to Jerusalem 70 years later so last week i was trying to make the point that the house of Israel which is also called Jacob or Ephraim because uh, that's all the same guy are the sheep of uh, Yahuwah's pasture, right? We looked at the word tasson, which means sheep or flock, and, and it appears 288 times. And most of the time, it means sheep, sheep, goats, bullocks, you know, it means sheep, the animal sheep. But about a dozen times, it refers to a specific people group, and that people group is the house of Israel. And then sometimes it refers to Israel uh, when both tribes were together. But never does it, does it refer to the sheep of his pasture or the sheep, God's sheep, as anyone other than the house of Israel. So we know that they were uh, scattered among the nations. And uh, First Kepha or Peter 1.1 says, Kepha, an apostle of Yeshua HaMashiach to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of Yahuwah the Father. So we have struggled with this sort of idea of predestination and election and uh, fore, uh, forethought and all of this. For 2,000 years, people have been trying to come to some sort of position on this. And the entire churches have split and dozens, hundreds of denominations have started because people can't agree on what it means. But And, and we talked about a lot of this last week. Kepha, an apostle of Yeshua HaMashiach, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, uh, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Angel, 
Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of Yahuwah the Father. I'm suggesting, and I've suggested last week, and hopefully we're building on this, that the 10 northern tribes, the house of Israel, who have been assimilated into these, into these places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, um, those are the people he's talking about. So when, when we read, for instance, the book of Galatians, you know, the book of Galatians, oh, it's written to the Gentiles. It's written to us. I suggest that it wasn't written to us. It was written to the 10 tribes. Because when Peter and when Paul and all these guys went to these countries, these, these, these places where uh, the 10 tribes have been scattered and they started preaching the truth of Yahuwah, hundreds of thousands of people responded. But these were not the people who lived in Galatia and Pontius. These were the, the, the 10 tribes because they'd already heard the story before. They knew who this guy was and they, they want, because they had been banned from coming back. The Jews, Judah and Benjamin, the Jews in Jerusalem, who, were, who had returned, had made a law, a man's law, that they couldn't associate with the ten tribes. So these guys in the ten tribes had no way to come home. There was no way for them to return because it was against man's law for them to do so. And so when, when Paul or Peter or whoever's doing the preaching goes to these countries and tells the people who are scattered, the only place scattered is ever used is when uh, Yahuwah says, I have scattered my people into Assyria, into the places of the world. They, they've gone to the four corners of the world. They are scattered by me, but I will bring them back. And so when Peter, in this case, goes and preaches to these people that are scattered, it says, He's preaching to the house of Israel. And of course they accept his message. The Gentiles, the Goyim, the Go Ger, wouldn't have received that message. They hated the Jews. And it was always something of a mystery as to how somebody like Peter or Paul or somebody could walk into this city full of pagans and just start laying out the truth and they would just all fall for it. They would seek after... Well, it's because they'd already heard the story. He wasn't preaching. Remember every time Paul would go into someplace like the Acropolis or something and preach to the people that actually lived there, he would be stoned and drug out of the city dead. He'd be thrown in jail. It didn't go over well with the natives. But when he went to preach to the synagogues or to the house of Israel, it's exactly what they wanted to hear. They wanted to come back. And he was saying they could. There was a path. God was going to bring them back. He was using them for a purpose. And not to worry about man's law that said you can't come back because God is going to overrule that. So when we think about so many of the books, Galatians and Corinthians and uh you know, all, all of these books in the New Testament, and we have been told since we started attending church that these books were written to us. And I'm suggesting they weren't written to us. They were written to the house of Israel scattered in those places. And we're going to do, you know, we'll talk obviously more about this because it's, it's a hard thing to even think about because we've never been taught that. And it sort of runs contrary to the things that we've been told are true. But when we start looking at the words and what they said, it should be fairly apparent that when he's talking about predestination and election and foreknowledge, Yahuwah is talking about he has scattered those people into the four corners of the world and he has elected them, he has predestined them to come back at the end of days. And when they come back, that is the avenue through which the ger, the goyim, the plural, 
perhaps us are saved. These letters were never written to us in the first place. Okay, we have basically a Roman Catholic background. I don't care what denomination you think you are. It's, it's basically Roman Catholic theology. Every church, they all celebrate Christmas. They all celebrate Easter. They all talk about all the same things the Catholic Church talked about. And we can put some fancy face on our Baptist or Episcopal or we're non-denominational or whatever. We talk about the same stuff. We do all the same stuff. We're Roman Catholics in a Greek mindset. And that just does not wade well through the words of Scripture. The book of Yaakov, James, uh, in one one. Yaakov, a servant of Yahuwah, of Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Greetings. He's not talking to the Goyim the gear. He's not talking to the Gentiles. He says, like every book in the New Testament, he tells you exactly who he's talking to. He's talking to the 12 tribes who are scattered. How is that us? Why, why has every church you've ever been to told you that all these books of the New Testament were written to us? That the, 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 that the disciples went on these journeys, I'm the disciple of the Gentiles. Well, that's because the J Judah, the, the Jews who had made these laws, Judah and Benjamin, the Pharisees, the people who had returned, the people who ran Jerusalem, the people through whom the priests came, they had said, they had said, God had not said, they had said, you can't go associate with those 10 tribes. They are as Gentiles. And the Bible says that a number of times. And you remember when uh, uh, Yeshua went to S Samaria, he was not concerned with the rules. The disciples said, you can't go talk to her. You remember when Peter was given a vision to go and talk to uh, Cornelius? He did it. He wasn't concerned. Everybody else was concerned that he'd broken the rules, but he'd broken man's rules, not God's rules. He'd done what God said. He had gone and spoken with the 10 tribes, with the, with, with the people who had been scattered around the world. And, you know, this one in Yaka, I can't get any plainer. It says, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Those are not Goyim. Those are not the nations. And every book, virtually every book in the New Testament, or certainly the, the epistles to the cities, are written that way. They say to those scattered. Well, that's, that's not the natives of that city. That's to the tribes, the house of Israel who had been scattered there. And they, they were desperate to come home. But they couldn't. They had no way. But now there was a way. So, of course, they received his message. But we don't at least I've never been taught that. I've always been taught that all of those letters were written to us. Yochanan or John 7, 33 and 35. Yeshua said, therefore, yet a little while while I'm with you and I will go to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now listen to this. The Jews therefore said among themselves, where will this man go that we can't find him? Will he go to the dispersion, to the house of Israel, to those who have been scattered in the nations? Will he go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Yes. I mean, not him personally, but his people would do that. They knew that they couldn't go there. It was against the law for them to associate with the 10 tribes scattered in all of these places. Where will this man go that we cannot find him? Will he go to the dispersion? That's only one group of people. That is not the locals. That's the house of Israel who had been dispersed among the nations. And you can go through every single book 
well, not maybe not every book, I haven't gone through every book, but I'm betting almost every book of the New Testament says the same thing. And it's just like when I asked you two, three, four weeks ago, whenever it was, who was Yeshua preaching to at, uh, at, at the Sermon on the Mount? And everybody says, well, the multitudes. Not true. The Bible says exactly what's true, and we never read it that way. He was with the multitudes. He withdrew from them. He went to the mountains. When he was set, the Bible says, he called his disciples. He called his 12. And then he shared the sermon on. He shared it with the disciples, not with the people, not with the multitudes. Because it says in other places, he would only speak to the multitudes in parables. These were not parables. There was no question that he was speaking to the 12. And yet 99% of all people who identify as Christians say, oh yeah, he was on a mountaintop speaking to a valley full of people, to the multitude. It's simply not true. And the Bible tells you that if you just read it. So every, every, every place we read where the author of the, the letter says who he is, his relationship with Yahuwah, and who he's speaking to. No letter in the New Testament does the author say, he, that I'm aware of, say he's speaking to the goyim, to the ger, to the nations. He's always speaking to the dispersion, to those scattered, to the house of Israel. Okay. Yeah, the flannel graph. We, we get the flannel, and it just perpetuates. I mean, how, how long have we gone to church and thought that? And if we just stop and read it, it says, the words are plain, who he's speaking to. And we don't, we just... Is that uh, chapter 13, John? Uh, no, that happens, chapter 7. Um, but I mean, any book, you can look at any of them. They're all going to say the same thing because every author of a letter is going to say who he's writing the letter to. And it's always to those scattered, to the dispersion, to the house of Israel. It's never to the gear or to the goyim. And if that's the goyim are the locals, they're the nations, they're the pagans. He never writes to them. Okay, so see if this makes sense. Yochanan, again, John 10, 3 through 5. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep, which I think we have proven last week is the house of Israel. The watchman opens the gate for the house of Israel. Listen to the voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all all his own, when he has brought them out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They knew who he was. They were the tribes of Israel. They had been uh, dispersed by God for, you know, justifiably. They didn't, they never returned. They sinned. Nobody's saying this was, uh, you know, they were good people and just got caught up. They sinned. They walked away from God and they did not come back like Judah did. And they assimilated in the nations. But that does not mean they're not children of God. And he wants them back. So he says, my own sheep know my name. They follow me. They did that. Peter and Paul and Barnabas and Timothy, they all spoke to the scattered and they knew the message they'd heard it before they desperately wanted to believe it they wanted to come home they wanted to receive that promise that god himself was going to bring them back and we're not going to get to it this week hopefully we're going to get to it next week but it's the reason uh, Yeshua had to die. And we've talked about this from the beginning. There is a reason he had to die. And it's not the reason we think it is. It's, it's this reason. There needs to be a path for these people to come home. 
And these people, remember what the whole purpose of God's people were? There are 70 nations, right? And out of the 70 nations, he picks one. And it was the Jews. I mean, for crying out loud, these are stiff-necked, obstinate. These are not the people you would necessarily want sharing your message. And he picked them for that reason. Because the world would look at them and go, that's not possible. But the world could see. And if you remember when they were walking through the wilderness for 40 years, they'd come up to a country and they'd seek the Lord. And he would say, do not set a sandal in their country because their iniquity is not full yet. Walk around them, do what you need to do. Then you'd get to another country and he'd say, I am with you, go forth and kill them all. Men, women, animals, because they are... They're unredeemable. And it just depended on what God told them to do. And they needed to be obedient. But the picture was always so that those people could see who I am. You are the people, the, the, the country of Israel, the 12 tribes. You are the people who have to live in such a way that the outside world looks and says, I want that. I want that God. I want that guy. Remember when they left Egypt, right? It wasn't just the Jews that left. There was a mixed multitude, an Arab Rob. This, all of these, all the smart Egyptians just saw the last 18 months or 24 months, saw these 10 plagues playing out and said, I'm going with that guy. I'm not staying here with the Pharaoh. That's the purpose of the 10 or the 12 tribes, right? Is to show the world, the goy, the gare, to show the world who this God is. So these 12 tribes are a necessity for God to, to share his message with the entire world. He has to get them back, but there's a problem and we'll, We'll, we'll get to the problem next week. Um, Yochanan or John 10, 7. Therefore, Yeshua said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. For the I'm the gate for the house of Israel. The only way they can come back is through me. Because Judah and Benjamin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and the people of Jerusalem will not let them come home. For them to come home, they have to give up their tribal identity and identify with Judah or Benjamin. And they could not do that because God had given them an identity. They were one of the 10 tribes in the north. They couldn't just say, I don't want to be Issachar anymore. I'll be Judah just to get home. That's not in them. If they're a Hebrew, you can't, you can't just shun the things God gave you. You have to work with what you've got. So I go back to Biden and the destruction of America. If we really are who we think we are in the Lord, we have to deal with what's coming on. We don't have to say, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to be a Democrat. It's not going to work. You can't just suddenly pretend like you're one of them. You have to be who God told you to be. You have to keep your tribal identity, if you will. And you have to stand up for the truth. And you have to know that God is going to be there. And if it means he's going to split the seas to kill off the people who are pursuing you, well, that maybe that's what's going to happen. If it means uh, Moshe has to smike, smite a rock with, with his uh, rod of wonder, to get water, no matter how impractical and illogical and impossible that may seem to you, that's what's going to happen. And we're going to find ourselves in spots that seem totally impossible, that seem without answer. And we have to trust that God's going to answer it. And maybe that means, you know, we have a prison ministry. Maybe that means death. I don't know what it means. All I know for sure is that at the end of the day, God's going to fix it. And we have to trust that however he's going to fix it is the right way. We win. Exactly. Okay. So therefore, Yeshua said, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the house of Israel. 
doesn't say I'm the gate for the goyim or the gare. You know, gare is one, goyim is a group, right? He's not the gate for them. He's the gate for the house of Israel. What do you think the book of Ruth is about? Do you remember that? Ruth is a Moabite. She can't come in. She's, she's a daughter of 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 Lot. But she can't come in. She's a Moabite because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Judah, Benjamin, the high priests, the people who write the laws have said, no, you can't come in here. We don't want people like you. You're born of incest 10 generations back. You can't, you can't come in. And yet the Bible says that no Moabites will be in the kingdom of heaven until the 10th generation. Well, that was Ruth. She was a Gentile in, in the eyes of, the, of, the, uh, of, of Judah. She's a Gentile. She's one of those lost people. She did confess and she came in. That's the whole book of Ruth, right? And of all people, Ruth, the Moabitess, the Gentile, the one who was ostracized and could never come back, came back to be the wife of Boaz, the mother, in essence, of David. Well, the Jews will tell you that's not possible. Those people can't come back. They never came back. When they left and assimilated, they, they've lost their right. But that's man's wisdom. That's never what the Lord said. That's not ever what the Bible said. Remember Bereshit chapter 24, the story of Rivka. It's the same thing. The father sent the spirit to find a bride for the son and says, but don't go here. You go back there to where the Goyim are. Rivka became the bride of the son, of the father, through the spirit. I mean, what else do you want to say? That's the way God works. The book called Amic, we call it Amos, chapter 9, starting in verse 8, it says, Behold, the eyes of Adonai Yahuwah are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that I will not utterly destroy the house of Yaakov, says Yahuwah. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Yashrael of Israel among all the nations, like corn as it is sifted in a sieve, and yet not shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which isn't awesome, which say the evil shall not overtake or prevent us. In that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen, and I will close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith Yahuwah, who does this. Behold, the days come, says, saith Yahuwah, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes that soweth seed. So the mountains shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, that they shall build the way cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. And they shall also make gardens and eat the fruit of them, and I will plant them upon their land, and there they shall no more be pulled out of their land, which I have given them, saith Yahuwah Elohim. That's the story, right? That's what's going to happen. At the end of time, he's going to regather the ten tribes, bring them to, the, to their country. They're going to have so much wealth that when it's time to plant, they're still going to be harvesting fruit. That's just sweet wine will fall from, it's, the, it's, the, it's exactly what he's described. It's the land of milk and honey. But this does not happen until after the sifting of the house of Israel. And not all get to come. Just because you're one of the ten tribes, you still have to decide. You have to choose, are you going to follow his commandments and statutes and judgments? And remember, they got in that spot because they didn't. They didn't return. They didn't follow. They worshipped the Astaroths and the gods of the countries they lived in. 
And they lived there for a long time, hundreds of years, thousands of years. And they didn't want to live there anymore. They wanted to go back to their God, but they had no way to do it. But God knew from the beginning, this was his plan. He's going to bring them back. So if, if we're, if we are um, included as followers of Yahuwah, which hopefully we are, followers of Yeshua. There's only a couple of possibilities. A, either we are part of the 10 tribes <laughs> because they've lost their identity. They don't know. To, to this day, the 10 tribes don't know who they are anymore. So either we are part of that 10 tribes and the message we have received we have accepted in the same way that they did because they knew it to be true because they'd heard it before. Or we're the Ger, we're the nations, we're the Gentiles who have come to join him. Let, 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 me, let me read some more of these. Um, okay, here, here's one little thing. The, the house of Israel is the apple of Yahuwah's eye. It says in Devarim or Deuteronomy 32, 9, for Yahuwah's portion is his people, Yaakov, Jacob, the house of Israel, and the lot of his inheritance. His inheritance is the 10 tribes. He found him in a desert land, in a waste, howling wilderness, and he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. He's always been the apple. That's always been Jacob. Jacob is not, you know, he makes mistakes. The house of Israel made major mistakes. They left him. They worship uh, Baal. They assimilated into the nations. But God never forgot who they were. Remember in the book of Revelation, he says he's sending 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. That's 144,000. So they may not know their identity, but he knows. He has kept track. So either we are, because if, if this, I shouldn't say, it, if this sort of thing that we've been doing for the last few years resonates with your heart, then I would suggest we are either part of the 10 tribes or we are part of the Ger who has joined themselves to the 10 tribes. Um, okay. Yajik, yeah. I don't know. Yaka, I don't know. Anybody know how to say that? Yeah, yeah. it's Ezekiel. That's right. Um, Son of man, my brethren, even my brethren, men of my kindred and all the house of Yashorel, holy, uh, whole, completely. And they are who, and they unto whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said. Okay, who are the inhabitants of Jerusalem? That's Judah and Benjamin. That's the Pharisees. That's the Sadducees. That's the high priest. The inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, get you far from Yahuwah unto this land is given as our possession. He's talking to the 10 tribes. You guys get out of here. This is us. This is our land. You've, you've left. You've gone. You've assimilated with the nations. You've been scattered. Go away. That's, that's not God's law. Therefore say, thus say Adonai Yahuwah, although I have cast them far off among the heathens, and although I have, I have, I have scattered them among the countries, yet I will be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Therefore say, thus saith Adonai Yahuwah, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Yisrael. Who is he talking to? This isn't the Goyim. These are the 10 tribes that have been scattered. He scattered them. How does this happen? Ezekiel 11. And they shall come thither and they shall 
take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. They shall be my people and I will be their God. But... As for them whose heart walketh after the heart of their detestable things and their own abominations, I will recompense their ways upon their own heads, saith Adonai, Adonai Yahuwah. Just because you're a member of the ten tribes, just because you've been scattered by the Lord, just because he's calling you back, you don't get a free pass. You still have to agree to obey him. That's right. That's right. And if you choose, you know, if the things of the world are more important to you, and right now half the country, it, it seems, the things of the world are more important to them. We've got people actively praying for Nimrod to rise from the dead. We've got a vice president, soon to be president, that I think fancies herself as Simiramis, the goddess of heaven. I mean, that how, how is it that half the country could be there? Well, that's the way it was, right? That, that's the way it is. He's going to bring back the 10 tribes, yet not all will come. Some will choose the ways of the world. They will, they've been sinning for so many generations, they don't know any different. And they're going to stay there. Okay, uh, Ezekiel 25, I mean, 1125. Then I spake unto them of the captivity. Who's the captivity? It's the 10 tribes. Then I spake unto them of the captivity, all the things that Yahuwah had showed me. So this is Ezekiel talking to the captive, to the 10 tribes, not to the Goyim. Okay. Um, let's just stop there. I realize that this is, um, it's, it's difficult because <laughs> who am I? I'm nobody. I'm absolutely no, I'm less than nobody. I'm just a guy, right? And all I do is, is I'll, I'll read the Bible, I'll read the books and, and I'll say to myself, well, that can't be right. And then I'll go back and I'll read the actual words of the Bible and I'll be darned if that's not exactly what it says. We have been taught things that are not true. To what end? And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't play for that team. I can't, I can't tell you why. And I can't even tell you um, the fact that all of these letters were not written to us. They were written to, to the 10 tribes, the house of Israel that had been scattered, not to us. And we have embraced them and adopted them and taken them to our own. And it causes us, I think, to believe and to act and to do things that are not true. Because it's like reading somebody else's mail and then acting upon it. It was never for us. There's a different path unless we're part of the 10 tribes. And, you know, and we may be. But there's a there's a path for the goyim who want to join and and this has been from the beginning we've seen you know rivka and and rahab and ruth and uh, uh elijah and i mean there's caleb there's all kinds of they're goyim they're not but they've joined themselves to the truth and the word and the actions of the god of abraham isaac and jacob they have joined themselves to that. And that's, if, if, we're, if we're Goyim, if we're Ger, if we're the nations, if we're not part of the 10 tribes, then that's what we need to do is to join ourselves to the truth of the Bible, right? To the truth of the 10 tribes. And to me, if we're not getting the truth, what are we joining ourselves to? Are we, are, are we being uh, misled? And again, I, I, the time is coming, I believe, when we get to the end of the second day in Hosea, the beginning of the third day, when all of these things 
are coming to pass and we will have a choice then. You don't need to make the choice now, but there's going to be information coming. There will be, uh, you know, I've talked to you about 2009 where you take the 390 years times the seven years punishment, uh, gave you 2,700 and whatever it was, turned out to be 2009. And in 2009, there has been something of a worldwide revival about this stuff. People like us want to know the truth. We want to know about the feasts. We want to know about the, the, the commandments and the judgments and the statutes of the Lord. We want to worship on the Sabbath. We want to do the things that we're asked to do. And that's been a fairly new development. There have always been people, but as of around 2009, 2010, it has exploded. Well, that's, that's what the Bible says. The punishment will be done. And all of a sudden, the truth will come out. And Hosea is talking about, uh, and we'll get to this in the next few weeks. But you know, these three son or three children, um, you know, have no mercy, not my people, and the other one. Um, and then the Lord says, at the end of the second day, in the place that I said you are not my people, you will be my people. Well, that doesn't happen till the end of the second day. And we talk about uh, we talk about we don't have time to get into this, but some of these prophecies of, of old, like Nimrod old, and you do the math and it's like 4,900 years. And you look back and it's like, oh, that's now that's in the last few years. People are, are, we see the picture of Nimrod awakening out of the dirt and a 70 foot giant standing up to take control of the world or we see people like us rising up and taking the things of Scripture the way it was written, not the way we were told. And it's such a simple thing. Just read what it says. But we don't. And we, we trust that. And I'm not saying the pastors are evil and all that. I'm just saying they don't know yet. <laughs> 